The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto. This is Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardell. Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto. Well, good evening, my friends. Here we are, well into the month of May. The weather's improved. Markets, not so much. I must say I had a fantastic, fantastic voyage to Italy. Two weeks in Italy. Oh, where to begin, where to end. The food, the wine, the people, the COVID behind us in the rearview mirror, uh, the history. Oh, this is unbelievable. Uh, I fell in love with lattes. $2 lattes all day long in Italy. I said $2 lattes all day long in Italy. Oh, and the bread, the bread, the bread. Unbelievable. Indeed it was. I'm going to be playing some Italian music on the show as it unfolds this evening. We're going to have a lot of fun. Jack Hartle, of course, uh, manning the ship. Uh, Jack, uh, it just seems every time I go on vacation, uh, you have to deal with uh, some volatility. Yeah, and we certainly got it over the last couple of weeks, and it doesn't seem, uh, for the time being anyways, to be abating, but... Uh... Sentiment is certainly at an extreme negative right now, and that is certainly a um, a contrarian indicator, meaning hopefully we can get some kind of relief and maybe a little bit of a, a bounce in here somewhere. Market wants to bounce. Uh, no question, market is oversold. Um, no one wants to buy. There's a buyer strike, and it appears there's a big elephant in the room. Um, something's broken. Something is awry. And you see it in the strength of the U.S. dollar. Uh, the Canadian dollar should be following suit with higher oil prices. Uh, that is not the case. And again, you know, we got ourselves into this mess by preventing a mess during the COVID crisis by all the money that was printed, uh, filling up the punch bowl. And at some point, well, the party has to pause and the punch bowl must be refilled or at least removed. And that's what's taking place. Interest rates on the uptick. Um, but that is spilled into the currency market. Uh, so it's fascinating as it is. Uh, I'm curious how the real estate market is holding in. Certainly publicly listed real estate entities have felt some pressure uh, with the rise in rates, you know, relatively stable, but still some get back uh, in the REITs I'm speaking about specifically. Um, refinancing a home, looking to get a mortgage, uh, certainly interesting times uh, to be doing so. You have to do a little bit extra homework. We're going to help you out right now. Drew Donaldson is joining us. Um, Donaldson Capital, uh, he owns a mortgage brokerage firm. Um, Drew, uh, a pleasure to have you back on the show. I appreciate your time this evening. want to get caught up with uh, the cost of money, the cost to borrow. Um, <clears throat> variable rate mortgage right here, right now. Um, what is it selling for? Uh, what would it cost, therefore, to carry $100,000? And uh, if you don't want the volatility, let's talk about a fixed rate mortgage, a five-year fixed. What's the price of it, and what does it cost to carry $100,000? Yeah, thanks for having me, Wolf. Definitely an uh, interesting time in the mortgage market. The last 60 days has, uh, has really spiked on interest rates. Uh, for 100000 just to keep the math simple, I mean, you're looking on a 30-year AM, what used to be $330 a month. Um, now on a fixed rate is about $480 a month, and a variable rate is uh, 397 a month. Uh, that, and uh, if you don't mind, uh, old school, can we do 25 years? I know you got your calculator 
Honey, that's there. Can we go 25-year amortization? Uh, I want to keep it old school. Um, so, you're, you're, again, to repeat the math, a five-year fixed uh, rate mortgage, uh, if you can run the number 25-year am, but you're, 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 you're selling basically well into the high 400s, correct? Yeah, right now, five-year fix around 4.39. And actually, just before I came on the show, Scotiabank sent a notification out that they're increasing rates again which is probably almost every single week we're getting notifications that, that lenders, uh, the risk premium, and then just what's happening in the bond market, um, um, rates are going up. So if I run the numbers on 100,000, 25-year RAM on a five-year fix, you're looking at about $547 per month. That's on 100,000. $547. When you were doing variable with the discounts that were available to to, uh, borrowers, uh, what was the lowest uh, hundred thousand borrow that you you saw go across your desk? Did it get below three hundred bucks? Yeah, yeah. The lowest, like if I use one point two percent, which is pretty much the lowest, uh, is about three hundred eighty-five a month on a hundred thousand. The lowest I ever did in history was in January of this year, and it was one point one percent. And that was a variable rate mortgage. That was a variable rate mortgage, yep. And so that was prime less a, uh, less a bunch of basis points, prime less one or something? Exactly, yeah, well past prime uh, minus one, which, uh, you know, at that point in time, there wasn't a ton of risk in the market. But now, <laughs> what a lot of people fail to realize is not only has prime gone up, but the discount off of prime has also been reduced. Um, so that's what's affecting these mortgage rates. Uh, what what is Prime running at right now? I can't keep I can't keep uh, pace with it. Yeah, it was two point four five about sixty days ago. It's now up to three point two percent. Just three point two Prime rate, three point two percent. But that's going to keep going. We're expecting fifty basis points in June, uh, June first, which would take it to three point seven percent. Three point seven. I remember when you got me my mortgage. Uh, it was Prime less seventy five. So I'm in the same boat. I still have Prime less seventy five. It's just now three point seven five minus seventy five. So I'm still my, my personal mortgage will be running then at three percent. Still affordable. Uh, but if, you, if you're stepping up and are about to reset uh, from such a low base, certainly on a monthly basis, the cash flow outlay on a let's say a five hundred thousand dollar mortgage uh, could work out to be what five times, say, two, it'd be an extra $1,000 a month for some people to carry their, their debt, correct? Yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, if I run a $500,000 mortgage on a 25-year AM at the five-year fixed rate today, you're looking at about $2,700 per month. Uh, how much? 2700 $2,700 today. Yeah, and, and that would have cost you on your, on, on your previous terms uh, approximately how much? Uh, it would have been about two thousand, so around seven hundred dollars more in straight interest cost. Seven hundred more in straight interest cost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And let's talk about demand. Um, Jack and I have been paying attention to some economic numbers recently. You're getting very uh, uh, microscopic uh, in, in in some of the economic data, just to try to look forward with clearer lens. And uh, business lending continues to be very, very strong. Um, mortgage applications, I think I'm probably working off of U.S. data, have fallen off a cliff. So I ask you, Drew, uh, from Donaldson Capital, mortgage broker extraordinaire, uh, what kind of demand uh, weakness have you noticed, if any, in the last, say, 60 to 90 days? 
Yeah, I mean, we're, we're still busy because the more complicated deals get, I mean, people got to go to a, a, someone who's been around for a while. Um, but, I, but I have heard some of the lending partners, um, you know, they were on, let's say, seven-day turnarounds. They're now down to four-hour turnarounds. Uh, the big boys like, you know, TD, Scotia, a lot of the uninsurable lenders, um, they're still pretty busy because, again, those complicated deals, they can't push them through CMHC. They've got to they've got to go through kind of the standard uh, big bank channels. Um, so you're able to expedite that process for clients. Yeah, we are. I mean, I have found you know the underwriting managers, the the risk desk, they are starting to tight it, tighten up a little bit. It's not anything near you know 2008 um, you know uh, tightening, but they're getting a little bit more picky on deals. Same with appraisals. You know, some of these appraisers are coming back. They're getting a little skittish because, you know, as rates rise and if they're worried about prices going down a touch, um, they're not willing to just give a value right out of the gate. A lot of times we have to provide them comps um, just to support the value up front because we kind of want to get ahead of the curve. Do you, do you have any opinion about uh, any price pressures seen in the, in, the, in the real estate market, residential speaking, of course? Yeah, I mean, as much as I'm a mortgage broker, I mean, I see it on the ground level, right? And, and you know, I'm, I'm an optimist. I'm bullish long-term at heart. But, you know, from what I'm seeing, uh, the small towns outside of the GTA, you know, we're expecting a drop. It could be 20%, let's say. Uh, cottages, same thing. I'm expecting a slowdown in the market. Uh, maybe not in the next two months, but by fall and into 2023 for sure. And then Toronto's gonna gonna come down maybe a touch, but there's a lot of positive factors working in Toronto's favor because people are returning to the office, you know, things are opening up. A lot of the clients we're seeing are receiving, you know, bigger bonuses and salaries than they've ever had in their lives, especially in the in the Toronto market. So, you know, that's all bodes well, even with higher interest rates uh for the Toronto real estate market. Uh, Jack, uh, obviously the discussion on real estate is dear to your heart, and you actually shared an interesting story with me this week about, I think, some new market property, uh, I think, hitting a high price and retreating from that price. Do, do you want to maybe share with the class and, and prime uh, Drew with a, with a question or two before we hit, hit the commercial break? Yeah, I would just say it goes to recency bias, Wolf, and then Drew touched on it with the fact that some of these properties outside of the GTA, and I wouldn't say new markets outside of the GTA, but it's certainly not Toronto proper, um, you know, these people have numbers that are in their minds that they think that they're going to be getting for their houses. And what you're seeing right now is, you know, people not willing to, to go out and uh, chase markets, chase houses, uh, get into bidding wars. Uh, the euphoria around the housing market has certainly um, cooled down, I would say. And, and I think that's because of, you know, the higher interest rates. It's pretty clear. And central banks are doing this deliberately. Federal Reserve, Bank of Canada, they're, they're raising interest rates. They know the economy is running beyond um capacity we see inflation you know in our pocketbooks every day uh gas food uh, everyday items uh and you need stable prices long term to actually have economic growth so i I think that the there is some pain to be felt especially in some of those properties that maybe got um, well beyond um a fair value i'll say but uh for the time being uh people have that last print i think in their mind and they're trying to you know hopefully hold out for it but i I think right now it's, it's transitioning into more of a uh a buyer's market than seller's market. Uh, getting back to the, the question for Drew after the break, where do you see uh, rates going from here uh, and peaking? And, and... Hi-Fi Radio, 
Global News 640 Toronto. We're going to take a quick break, get right back to the show, and hear what Drew has to say about the direction of mortgage rates on a go-forward basis. Stay tuned. Let's take a break. Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto. Playing the hits, my friend. The hits in Rome, anyways. We're going to call that a earworm. Oh, I heard that song every hour, on the hour, throughout Italy. Got into it. Happiest song. Makes you feel good. Uh, the sun was shining. Uh, the streets were packed. Uh, it's back. My good friends, travel is back. Travel is good uh, and is good for you. Uh, seeing other parts of the world. Yes, they do things a little differently. And it's a beautiful thing. It truly, truly, truly is. Uh, but uh, optimism is incredible where COVID began. COVID has ended, in my opinion. And uh, the culture is back. The people are back. And it's just absolutely beautiful. The music included. They're dancing in the streets. I kid you not. They were singing uh, gelato, cappuccino, espresso, finest of fashions, beautiful cotton, beautiful leather, uh, beautiful transport. Uh, take the trains. Uh, local. It's incredible. You can fly in Europe. You can take an airplane in Europe uh, from one part of Italy to the other for $99. Unbelievable means of travel. Yep, food is cheaper in Italy than it is in Canada. I couldn't believe that. And so much better, uh, indeed. It's incredible that real estate in Italy, is. they think about it differently as well. It sits in the family for generation upon generation. Had the privilege of having dinner in the house where they shot part of the Godfather uh, movie. And, uh, you know, where uh, Al Pacino's uh, bride is driving around the circle and then the car blows up. That house. Uh, very, very cool. Met the owner, uh, he's probably in his late 70s, early 80s. The house has been in the family, La Familia, since 1792. And it'll stay in the family. And that's what happens with real estate in Italy. It stays in the family and nonna moves in. And, well, I guess she begins cooking for the family. And, uh, yeah, unlike here, no, unlike here, parents get old and we, well, we ship them off. Sad, but it's true. And uh, we all want our own home. Pick a fence, little yard, little garage. And with that comes the price. Urban sprawl, higher prices, more demand, and uh, restricted supply. That's been a big, big, big part of the problem with real estate, certainly in the GTA and many parts of Canada, is restricting supply. Interest rates, well, that problem could be put to bed. Lower rates pushes prices up. Higher interest rates should push prices down. It does of most asset classes, and I would expect at some point real estate feel the pain. It gets down to uh, cash flow availability. How much can you afford per month to buy versus rent? That's the question for Drew Donaldson right now. Buy versus rent. Uh, is it cheaper now to rent than buy? Because uh, there's a period of time where buying was certainly a lot more economical than renting, but that too sits on a pendulum scale, and that is a moving number. Uh, what's your opinion on that, Drew, uh, from Donaldson Capital, mortgage broker extraordinaire? 
Yeah, I mean, rents are going up, uh, but there's a ton of uncertainty when you rent, right? Because, you know, a, a landlord can sit there and say, okay, I want to sell the property. Maybe higher interest rates are affecting their mortgage payment and they want to offload it. So um, it's slightly cheaper to rent right now. But again, I'd say almost more fear on the rents going up opposed to the interest rates going up. You know, I'll tell you, every now and then um, we receive a phone call, um, uh, often from a listener, and they ask the question, I, I, or they've already executed a plan, uh, thinking of selling their family home because they think the price of real estate is, is, is extreme and they want to book their gain. And they become then renters. And I, 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 just, it, it, I don't think it's necessarily the smartest thing for most people to do. There's always the exception, and perhaps you are the exception where it does make perfect sense for you. But if you have a family and a long-standing relationship, you expect to be extended well into the future, stay put with your real estate. It's cornerstone. Just leave it alone. Don't necessarily borrow and leverage it up. Just leave it alone and build assets then around it. Uh, but to try to time the real estate market, boy, oh boy, oh boy, you can wait a long time. And perhaps the time has come uh, where you are still going to see relief in prices. We don't know that. Uh, but again, you know, I know people who sold real estate six years ago, seven years ago in, in, in Toronto, in Vancouver, and they were never able to get back in. And so the market, let's just say it softens and pulls back five or 6%. Is that the point to get back in? Still much higher from where you exited, and you have to wait for a 25% correction. Will it come? You don't know. With real estate for the family, Jack, you agree with me, don't you? Just leave it alone. I agree, Wolf. And I think that um, people should look at their stock portfolios similar to how they look at their real estate portfolio. Uh, you don't have a, a price put on your house every single day. You have an idea of what it's worth, but uh, there's not someone knocking on your door giving you an offer uh, to buy your house. So people look at it as a long term asset typically. Uh, it is a, it is also a good inflation uh, hedge as well. But uh, Cornerstone, absolutely. Uh, people think long-term about real estate, and I think that they should do the same thing with stocks. I agree. Uh, with, with equities, of course, you, you do have uh, the temptation of liquidity, uh, which means stocks can be sold very, very quickly and easily, perhaps too easily. Uh, and again, in this day and age where it's, uh, our business is discretionary, there's no commission, therefore no drag uh, to, to, to buy or sell. Uh, there's no cost to do so. For, so uh, it makes it that much easier to do it. But the question is, do you get back in? Uh, and market versus sector is a different debate as well. Uh, but we got Drew, uh, Drew on the line, Drew Donaldson, uh, Donaldson Capital. He's a mortgage broker. Uh, whenever I'm discussing uh, the cost of money, I always speak with Drew. And certainly, uh, he, he helped me find a very, very uh, competitive mortgage for my casa, uh, which I perhaps bought at the top of the market. I'm very good at that, by the way. Uh, not really, but I'm just saying that for fun. Uh, Drew, where do you think uh, mortgage rates peak at based on the homework that you've done? Yeah, they've gone up aggressively in the short term. Uh, the war has had uh, a lot to do with that. Uh, I still think five-year fixed rates are going to get close to the 5% level. So if they're at 4.39, you're looking at closer to 5. And then the variable, uh, expect 50 basis points in June, probably another 50 to 75 basis points for the remainder of the year. So prime's at 3.2% today. It should settle somewhere in the mid fours uh, by the end of the year. Yeah, that's uh, so true. That's a lot. No, but that, that's a lot of money. Sorry, uh, that's going to basically on an interest basis uh, double my expense. Um, that's a big expense uh, delta uh, for a double in interest cost. Uh, no different than the price of gasoline. Uh, Jack, over to you, pal. So, so the key question there, I guess, is um, 
variable versus fixed. So in the US, they already are above that 5% uh, that you talked about, and that's on a 30 year. Um, based on the numbers you're seeing, you're saying, you know, peaks out at five on the fixed five year versus, I'm going to call it four and a half sort of on the variable before it starts to maybe uh, look lower. Uh, what are you advising your clients, fixed or variable at this moment? Yeah, I always I always give people kind of the financial advice. And then I say, you know, take the financial advice and then make a personal decision. Um, because if you're one of those people that just can't sleep at night, you're checking interest rates every day. There's a lot of fear in the market. It, you know, you're probably someone who should just take a five-year fixed rate. You might lose out on, you know, 25, 30 basis points, maybe even 50 basis points in interest rate difference over the life of the term, because 92% of the time variable rate does win. And I still think it's going to win based on where the levels are today. Um, but if you've got great cash flow, great job, you know, job security, you're not worried about like an unemployment situation or your business drying up, um, you know, variable from a financial perspective, I still think is the way to go. Well, I agree. How about, uh, how about, I would say, how about splitting the difference, maybe going half variable, half fixed, or the other option is maybe look at like a, a three year as opposed to five years. That's something that uh, might make sense for clients. Yeah, we've, we've started quoting, when people are, are talking about the five-year fix, we have started quoting more three- and four-year fix because they're, they're still under that 4% level. So that's kind of a, a hybrid strategy that you could do. Um, as far as mixing the fix and the variable, we're also getting some questions around that these days. I've never found, in my 16 years of doing this, I've never found that it works out well because what happens is if you end up converting that variable portion you end up with staggered maturity dates. So you have one portion maturing at one point, one on the other. And what that does is it traps you with the lender. And if you ever want to explore the entire market for yourself, you've essentially got to pay a penalty to get out. There's no renewal. Good point. That's a very, very important point. Thank you for sharing that uh, with us, uh, Drew. Uh, well, uh, Jack, do you have any final questions for Drew before we uh, get involved in the discussion with Mr. Michael Hainsworth uh, about the world of technology and, well, the pain that's being felt in the tech sector? No, not really. I would just add that the, the, the pain being felt in the tech sector is part of the, the reason that we're talking about here. It's higher interest rates uh, leading to you know discount evaluations on some of these high-flying high-growth tech companies that are still great businesses but uh, the question is are, are they great investments well we'll check in with michael hansworth uh quick break uh drew i want to wish you all the success my friend stay close uh keep your pencil nice and sharp and uh do good work help people uh, maintain adequate uh, cash flow uh for their most important asset which is their casa have a great weekend, buddy. We'll speak with okay. you soon. Going to take a commercial break and get right back to Hi-Fi Radio, 640 in Toronto. Don't go anywhere. There's more Hi-Fi Radio in a moment on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto. Words don't come easily Like sorry, like sorry Perdóname De una Welcome back to the show about money. 
takes the pain away. Fine food, fine music, fine travel takes the pain away from the bear market we are in. You heard it here first. We are in a bear market. And once you're recognized as a bear market, usually you're well over halfway through the mess, uh, which, well, probably got a little bit more slugging ahead of us, but uh, we're halfway through it. Um, I encourage you to find that footage. Uh, Pavarotti and Friends is not called that. Uh, it was a, a benefit for uh, Sarajevo, uh, of, uh, Save the Children, I think it was called. And Pavarotti brought in his friends to sing with them in Italy. Oh, my God, it is beyond beautiful. That was a Tracy Chapman piece. Uh, I can bring up uh, James Brown with Pavarotti. Uh, it's coming out of our next break. You're going to stay tuned for that. It's so cool. Uh, oh, yeah, him with Elton John, Bono, uh, Eric Clapton. So cool. Uh, Pavarotti, what a star. And he blew every pop artist out of the water. When he sang their songs, uh, his verse Oh, my God, light years ahead of everyone else. Um, there was no artificial intelligence with that. That was not virtual. That was real. It was real. It was pure. Uh, I pivot with that statement to Mr. Michael Hainsworth, uh, a man who uh, is living in not a parallel universe, shall I say, but a, uh, a virtual universe because he is a tech geek, a tech god, uh, and an amazing broadcaster. Uh, you want to show about nothing and make it sound real good? He's a man. <laughs> That's what this show is about nothing. Well, it's certainly diminishing returns, shall I say, as the market goes down towards nothing. Uh, that's what it's a show about. I'm kidding, friends. Don't panic. I'm just kidding. Well, kidding. Having some fun here, levity in a bear market. Uh, did I tell you it was a bear market? That's when the market falls 20%. The S&P is down 22, Michael. Your NASDAQ, Michael. Uh, Jack, from peak to present, are we down 30 35%? I don't think it's that much, Wolf, but it's it's getting close to thirty. I think getting close to thirty. Twenty-five percent. Definitely bear market there. Peak. From peak, you say twenty-five, Michael. Twenty-five from the December peak. We're now trading twenty. Oh, December peak, yeah, but it, it was falling into December. So from its from its peak, I think we're closer to thirty. And what Unity Software? Um, Richard Davis, one of our dearest dearest analysts at Canaccord, who we miss so much. We're going to be bringing back as a tech analyst, Michael. You would have. A, him. He was so smart when it came to tech. Uh, he is now at Unity Software, um, and we were, we've been cheering for his company and cheering for him to do well. And the poor fellow's stock has done nothing but go lower and lower and lower. Uh, again, remind us, Michael, uh, Unity Software, it's uh, uh, artificial intelligence software to help uh, expedite a buying process, say, say a car or a piece of foreign real estate. They can uh, basically use software to, to get to the nuts and bolts and behind the scenes of the product that you're looking at? Artificial intelligence is really taking over that space in a very big way, and it has everything to do with the big data that's associated with the kind of data you generate when you're providing these sorts of services. And the, the, the risks that you try to divine through the data back in the olden days when you'd have an actuary trying to figure that sort of stuff out has been set aside because we know that machine learning algorithms are much better at pulling out patterns in data, trying to find the hidden aspects of risk and making that uh, putting that front and center so that you can make more qualified decisions about where you want to go next. Uh, you know, I will say this this is a, a, a bit of a deviation from what we're talking about, but it's not. It's about the world of technology. And uh, coming back from my trip to Italy, uh, I flew uh, Lufthansa. You were in uh, Italy? Yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> oh, believe me, I will be <laughs> Bravo, prego, prego. Um, I flew in an Airbus uh, on the way back, of course, with Boeing and its issues. And there used to be a saying coming out of Boeing, if it ain't a Boeing, I'm a not going. 
but uh, they they lost that uh, cred. Uh, anyway, flew in an Airbus. Oh my goodness me! What a smooth flight, and the cam and, and the the plane is loaded with cameras, so you can actually view the world outside uh, from on top of the airplane. So you're actually looking down at the fuselage and down through the clouds and to the ground. Uh, it just it's just incredible, and but smooth. And again, the autopilot probably what Michael ninety five percent of the flight home flying on autopilot. That's one of the things that people don't really realize is that the the pilots, by and large, are there just to make sure nothing goes wrong. And if something does go wrong, they take over. This is one of those areas where we're not quite ready to turn it over to artificial intelligence and machine learning. Well, again, I was thinking about the roads in Italy, uh, the mopeds, the pedestrians, the traffic. Uh, you know, there, there's periods of chaos uh, in Italy when you travel, and, and, the, and the, the roads are windy. The roads were built by the Greeks. Those trails were, that are now paved with some asphalt were, 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 were initiated by the Greeks, followed by the, by the, so they're thousands of years old, which is brilliant unto itself, but they're narrow. Uh, and, and the mopeds want to get around. So I, I was thinking about um, artificial intelligence and about driverless society. Personally, I think we are decades away from handing the roads over to uh, artificial intelligence. But an aircraft, you can sort of see it as Jack can see a combine in Saskatchewan operating out of artificial intelligence. Hey, eh, Jack? Absolutely. The, the technology that Michael's talking about, uh, big data, uh, it's, it's impressive. Artificial intelligence, virtual reality, um, these things tend to take longer than you expect. But when they do arrive, and we've talked about this before, um, they're more, um, they're all over the places. It's Michael, tech is dead right now. Um, and with that, you're going to see the, the IPO market, uh, dry up, uh, cause valuations aren't what they were. Uh, the tech stocks are down 60, 70, 80, 90%. And I cannot tell you how many tech stocks are trading below IPO price. Uh, in your opinion, uh, as, as you try to sift through uh, the winners and the losers, uh, those who will be in business in 10 and 20 years, the Amazons in the rough, in other words, when Amazon corrected 90%, maybe I'm talking about Shopify, uh, I want you to speak to that. Who, who, who will survive in the land of tech and, and what will perish? Well, there are two aspects to that. One of them is how reliant is that company on uh, borrowing to fuel its future growth? Stocks that are valued on future earnings growth, particularly tech, have been hit remarkably over the course of the last little while. The war in Europe certainly not helping. That slowdown in Chinese economic growth is playing a role in that as well. But the other aspect to it is, is this a company that's providing something that we need? How integral is it to our lives? lives? Some tech stocks are still rich, but you know Amazon is trading 52 times earnings. Normally, that's about 30. Tesla's 106 times earnings. Shopify, as you point out, 330 times earnings. And while I have no doubt that we'll still need companies like Shopify in the not-too-distant future, the tech bellwethers that are already uh, deeply embedded in our lives are doing much better. Apple is trading 25 times earnings. It just lost its position as the world's most valuable company to uh, Aramco, the oil giant. Um, but that oh, thank you for that, Michael. Yeah, well, it doesn't surprise us that Aramco has been on fire as late, uh, and companies that are tied to the consumer not so much. Apple still has that exposure, particularly on the services side. It's such a big part of its revenue stream now. And the question is, do you really need to spend those extra couple of bucks on the the Apple music service when you've already got a bunch of MP3s, or in your case, I'm sure vinyl sitting in the basement? 
Love my vinyl, my friend. You know that. Um, well, in Italy, uh, I, I got some fantastic international uh, news. I, I must say, I was very impressed with the, the television feeds I was getting. Uh, it allowed me to uh, open up my pea brain a little bit to uh, different viewpoints. Um, Al Jazeera, uh, for example, did some fantastic, fantastic, uh, 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 long-form, uh, detailed stories and, and, and subject matters dear to my heart, the, the war in Ukraine uh, included. Uh, but uh, front and center on the business news while well, well away was Elon Musk uh, basically cinching the deal and getting the approval uh, from the shareholders, that is, uh, to take over uh, Twitter. You being a broadcast expert uh, and, and a, a tech expert, um, do, do you think Musk can, can, can make Twitter better and make it work? Uh, what was your opinion of that? Uh, and why do you say, why does the world find Musk, or part of the people find Musk to be evil? Uh, well, th- this whole thing, um, not to put too fine a point on it, will just accelerate no. the decline and fall of the American civilization. Um, this is a man who believes in free speech absolutism, uh, which is something he's been banging on about for quite some time, which basically means anybody can say anything at any time. And what um, he's not taking into consideration is that one's right to speak uh, is often a, a at odds with online safety and the needs of the many versus the needs of the few. And I have no confidence whatsoever that this man is going to uh, take this dumpster fire and squelch it. He's going to accelerate the burn uh, by making bringing Donald Trump back. Trump says he's not coming back. You know he's coming back. That man couldn't stay away if his life depended on it. And so with the fact that so few North Americans actually use Twitter, it has an out sized role in the political discourse that we have today. And I think uh, as he accelerates this free speech absolutism, we're going to start finding ourselves spending less and less time on Twitter as the cacophony grows. Brilliant answer, Michael. I, I do thank you for that. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, uh, get back to Hi-Fi Radio. Special guest Michael Hainsworth uh, joining us. Jack Hartle, of course, teeing it all up each and every Saturday as he does. Uh, quick break, get right back to the show and uh, a little more Italian music just to, well, help it go down. Stay tuned. Want to make more money? Stay tuned for more Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto. This is a man's world. But it wouldn't be nothing, nothing, nothing about a woman or a You gotta, you gotta find that footage, Pavarotti and Friends. It's, that's not what it's called. Just Google the Pavarotti uh, and the Siri of a War and bring in all these other guests. Such great content. Uh, technology allows that. It's just incredible how quickly you can grab content. So while we're in Italy, we're gonna have dinner at the Godfather house. So prior to, I had to do my homework and get caught up on watching the Godfather. Sure enough, 
phone out. Kathleen finds Godfather 1, gets it on the hotel television set, and we are able to watch The Godfather. Pause it, rewind it. It's unbelievable. It, it truly, truly is. And when you're able to use uh, the technology. A friend of my office told me, Wolf, I finally flew uh, solo. And, well, I was able to get through customs and uh, check my luggage, and it all worked. Because <laughs> usually he passes that responsibility on to his better half, as do I. Uh, when I travel, I let Kathleen deal with all those details. It's a one-person job. Let her deal with it. And, uh, well, if I have to, I'll step in. But uh, it is complicated, and COVID doesn't make it any easier. Still wearing masks on airplanes, uh, even though we're triple-vaxxed. But uh, they woke me up from my sleep. Oh, I was having a little nap, and they woke me up. Excuse me, sir, you must put your mask on. I apologize. I, of course, I put it back up over my schnoz and try to get back to sleep. It didn't really happen. But uh, everything tastes better in Italy, and the music sounds better in Italy. Uh, what a lovely trip. But back to reality, and, uh, well, we're in a bear market, and bear markets do end. And I'll tell you, my my homework uh, tells me we probably have another few months of bear market action. Uh, perhaps the S&P, which is now down 22%, falls to maybe down 30 uh, And at which point, uh, I think the uh, negativity will be priced in. And then hopefully the market sets itself up for uh, better action next year, which from a presidential cycle point of view, the market tends to do best in the third year of the four-year term, which is next year. Uh, and of course, speaking with one of our chief strategists this morning, uh, he said there's always a bit of a disconnect between the economy and the, and the market, and the market is ahead of the economy. So what you're having right now is a weak market, but still a very robust economy. Whereas next year, Martin expects, and I fully agree with him, we will likely see a weakening economy and a more robust market. Uh, Michael Hainsworth joining us. We're talking tech. We're talking trends. Uh, we're talking travel uh, as well. Yeah, Michael, uh, again, as virtual and virtuous as virtual may be, and improving uh, each and every day without question, and it, it does make our lives easier. Technology, once you learn how to use it and you adapt and are willing to do that, uh, got a charger, need a charger, got a charger. <laughs> we still have that fight, by the way, when we travel uh, over that one cord that we got, that one European adapter. Um, but there's nothing better Honestly, within and, and sitting in a cafe and having a cappuccino direct, having a slice of pizza at the pizzeria direct, being a little shoulder to shoulder with you know some travelers, it's fun. You can't do that with virtual. You, you just can't. I, I got to tell you, with all I'm learning here about your trip to Italy, I, forget the wolf of Bay Street. We got to start calling you the Goomba of Bay Street. <laughs> <laughs> Goomba. That, that, was in, that was in Godfather. He was calling them Goombas. <laughs> the Goomba uh, of Bay Street. Why not? So you want to talk about crypto? Bitcoin briefly fell below $30,000 for the first time in 10 months. Well, well, Jack, what was the one that you picked up on? Was it called Stablecoin down 99%? Well, it's, yeah, it's a, I was going to say, it's a, supposed to be a stable coin, Luna, that's, uh, that's just not so stable. So uh, I think that's causing a lot of dislocations in the market. And if, uh, yeah, Michael, you want to chime in there, uh, let us know what you think, because it's related to central banks raising rates. There's not free money anymore. So people are looking at these crypto assets and, and recognizing that they're really speculative, similar to a technology stock. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, they're um, voting with their feet, so to say. So stable coins that aren't so stable. Mike, what do you think? Well, the cryptocurrencies overall lost about eight hundred billion bucks in market value in the last month. That's according to Coin Market Cap. Uh, 
Uh, and it is, as to your point, all about the tightening monetary policy. A little different than the last time we had a tightening cycle back in 2016 with crypto now much bigger and more tied to the financial system. Uh, but, Jack, to your point, uh, a stable coin is a, a type of crypto that is actually pegged to a real asset. And last November, as Bitcoin hit an all-time high of 68000 that pushed the crypto market to $3 trillion. Today, it's half that. And we're seeing a fair amount of concern about the stable coin style uh, markets. Uh, for example, uh, Terra USD is an example of a stable coin that's got a one-to-one ratio. It's pegged to the U.S. dollar. It's fallen to as low as 67 cents against the greenback. It feels like the Canadian dollar here, pulling Bitcoin down with it. Investor runs on stable coins are a big concern of the U.S. Federal Reserve, the Treasury Department, the International Financial Stability Board, because they have ties to cash or bonds. And the fear is that if there's a run on a given stable coin that does have a peg to something like the dollar or the bond market, that it could spill over into the traditional financial system as well. It's one of the big reasons why they're taking it slow on crypto. Do you think it has yeah, to go over, Michael? Because with the, I was just speaking again with our, our strategist, and he said, well, if the problem is no longer inflation and interest rates, the problem now is currencies. And the fact that the U.S. dollar, otherwise looked at on the Dixie, which is a basket of global currencies, uh, creating an index and creating something called the Dixie, the DXY, uh, it's breaking out to uh, new multi-year highs. In fact, I think, Jack, you said the, Canadian, the U.S. dollar is at a 20-year high right now. And push and, and looking higher, that is something that only occurs in an unstable environment. Has crypto been part of the culprit to, to weaken other currencies, do you think? It's certainly playing a role in it. Uh, we're taking a closer look at the whole concept of, of crypto and its uh, store of value components and its ability to, to act as that. You know, when you've got a, a conservative uh, party, potential party leader, uh, talking about uh, ousting the Bank of Canada governor and turning to Bitcoin as a means of fighting inflation, that's when I think we've got some real concerns. This is a market that is not filled with people who have the financial literacy that is the equivalent of the BOC. And when you don't know what you're doing, you get burned. Yeah, I would just add to that, Wolf. I would just add to that, Wolf. You know, human behavior is very predictable. And Michael mentioned there, it runs on banks. And it's like a depression-style run on a bank right now. If people don't have confidence and trust in a, in a crypto asset, uh, they're going to, like I said, vote with their feet and they're doing it very, very quickly right now. And it's just like a, a traditional run on a bank because of the lack of trust and fear out there. Well, I remember six, seven years ago uh, when interest rates were uh, negative in many parts of the world. Uh, and then you had a European debt crisis take place, uh, and, and 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 interest rates were, were then made available. You know, negative in Germany, uh, but uh, you know, eighteen or twenty-two percent in, in places uh, that were about to default on their debt and exceed their uh, debt uh, additions that they were making against the uh, European Committee. Uh, Greek bonds were trading, I think, with a yield of eighteen to twenty. 22%, likewise with Italian bonds. And again, that crisis set up an amazing buying opportunity because, again, that debt uh, became very, very cheap and the interest rates uh, in that part of the world normalized as well. Will crypto do the same? We'll see. I'm not as convinced. Uh, but, my good friends, we are out of time. Michael Hainsworth, as always, a pleasure to have you on the show. You're a good friend and you're a uh, big brain. It's a pleasure to, to, to get involved and uh, discuss such matters with you. Jack, great job setting up the show, as always. Please, friends at home, Stay safe. Any questions with respect to the world of money, Jack and I are always here for you, WolfgangKlein.com. We'll be back with you next week right here on 640 in Toronto on the show is Hi-Fi Radio.
Have a great one. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardell, Portfolio Managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any questions about money, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. Join us again next week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto.